When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. This episode deals with graphic content and may not be suitable for all listeners. May 6th, 1999 was the last day Tyrone Kahn was planning to be a resident at the Kingston Penitentiary in Kingston, Ontario. At 32, he had already spent over half his life in institutions, and now he was facing a 47-year prison term for accumulation of offences, including several armed bank robberies and previous prison escapes. Kingston Penitentiary was Canada's oldest prison and was supposed to be the country's most secure federal lockup. But that wasn't going to stop Tai Khan. Life inside the decrepit limestone penitentiary was predictable and routine, a situation that Tai Khan planned to take full advantage of. He had his unofficial exit all planned down to the smallest detail, and it was now or never. So... While the rest of the prisoners slept through the night locked in their cells, and the disinterested guards monitored their stations, the 32-year-old inmate bolted from his hiding place inside the prison. He scaled a four-meter chain-link fence in the yard and then climbed a homemade ladder to reach the top of the 10-meter-high perimeter wall. At the top of the prison wall, he secured a hook and rappelled down the other side to freedom. And with that, he became the first inmate to escape from the infamous Kingston Penitentiary in 41 years. His absence from the prison wouldn't be discovered until the next morning, but by that time, he was long gone, and he vowed never to return. But just 14 days later, his new taste of freedom would come to an end. And the promise he made to himself to never set foot in Kingston Pen, or any other prison for that matter, would be realized as he sat slumped in a chair in a dingy basement apartment in Toronto, dead from a single gunshot wound to the chest. I'm Catherine Fogarty, And in this podcast, I'm bringing you the true life story of a man whose short life was almost predetermined from the moment of his birth. A soft-spoken, intelligent kid abandoned by his family at an early age, he grew up a product of the system. Foster care, group homes, 
and juvenile detention centers. He learned how to survive the hard way and eventually developed a taste for stealing and running away. And by 17, he was robbing banks. But he never once harmed another person in the commission of his crimes. Sentenced to a lifetime behind bars, he broke out of almost every prison that tried to contain him. And then, his daring escape from the escape-proof Kingston Penitentiary turned him into an instant celebrity. He was the good-looking fugitive on the run. His story garnered huge media attention and a sympathetic response from the public. But his final taste of freedom would be short-lived and the circumstances surrounding his death would leave a lot of questions unanswered. This is Escape from Kingston Penitentiary, The Life and Death of Tyrone Kahn. Episode 3, Long Road Ahead. Forty-four days. That was the number of days Ty Khan had been on the run since scaling the wall at Collins Bay Penitentiary on the outskirts of Kingston, Ontario. Now it was December 20th, 1991, and he was holed up in some stranger's apartment in Ottawa. The cops had him surrounded. With Christmas just a few days away, Canada's capital city was awash with festive lights and colors. But from where Ty was hiding, crouched on the dusty floor, he could only see the beam of one distinct red light bouncing off the tacky magnets on the kitchen fridge. It was a laser sight from a rifle, and it was searching for its target. It was searching for him. Time was running out, and he was going to have to make a decision. Looking at the silver Ruger 357 Magnum in his hand, he had options. Point it at himself, or fire it towards the cops. Either way, it would all be over quickly. But was he really ready to die? Ty was only 24 years old, and had already spent over half his life in institutions. He had run from almost every one of them, only to be recaptured and given more time behind bars. He was already serving 18 years. So what was his ultimate end goal? He had to know that he was just digging a deeper hole for himself, and that eventually his luck would run out. And maybe it just had. Escaped convict captured in Ottawa read the newspaper headlines on December 21st, 1991. After 44 days on the run, convicted bank robber Ty Khan had surrendered. Sitting in that Ottawa apartment, watching the red beam of light dancing over his head, Ty realized he wasn't ready to die. He was surrounded by a heavily armed SWAT team and they were just waiting to take their shot. Out of options, and maybe out of time, Ty called his mom. Marion told him 
He needed to give himself up, and he knew she was right. After a four-hour standoff, Tyrone finally surrendered. When the police entered the apartment he had been hiding in, they found three guns and over $11,000 in cash. It turned out Ty had been busy since absconding from Collins Bay Penitentiary a month and a half earlier. He had robbed the Imperial Bank of Commerce in Colburg, Ontario, a credit union in Toronto, a bank near Peterborough, and, on the day of his capture, the Guarantee Trust in Ottawa. The police report alluded to the fact that an acquaintance had finally ratted him out and told the police where he was. On Thursday, February 20th, 1992, one month after his 25th birthday, an Ottawa judge sentenced Ty Khan to an additional 16 years for the Ottawa and Toronto bank robberies. Justice Diane Nicholas said she was upset about having to give him the longest sentence she had ever imposed, but she felt she had no choice. Like many others who met Ty, the judge couldn't understand why such an articulate, intelligent young man seemed hell-bent on destroying his future. It overwhelms me that you are in such a difficult position at such a young age, she told him. I hope you change your life. Over the next several months, Ty endured more court appearances and more convictions. 13 months for breaking out of Collins Bay. 18 months for possession of stolen property. Three years for the bank robbery near Peterborough. And six years for the holdup in Colburg. It was hard to keep track and even Corrections Canada needed time to figure it out. But when they added up all of his sentences, Tyrone was now facing 47 years, four months, and six days in prison. And he was back in one of the worst places he'd ever been in, Millhaven Penitentiary. When Millhaven opened in 1971, it was a new kind of prison. A modern, super-maximum security institute surrounded by chain-link fencing and barbed wire instead of the oppressive limestone walls at Collins Bay and Kingston Pen. Specially trained dogs patrolled the perimeter of the prison, and guards with high-powered rifles monitored the inmates during their daily exercise periods from observation towers. Inside the prison, everything was designed to reduce physical interaction between guards and inmates. The ranges were a series of impersonal concrete blocks with sliding doors and metal bars that staff locked and unlocked from behind bulletproof tinted glass. Cameras monitored the inmates' every movement and tear gas could be pumped into any of the prison cells at the touch of a button. So, it didn't take long for Millhaven's first residents to decide they weren't happy with their new accommodation, and they weren't sticking around. Eight months after opening in 1971, an inmate cut through the 20-foot chain-link fence surrounding the prison and escaped. And even though he was caught the next day, he was determined to try again a few months later. 
But this time, the industrious inmate took 13 other men with him. It was Canada's biggest prison breakout and would be immortalized years later in 1990 when a local band from nearby Kingston called The Tragically Hip released a song about the escape called 38 Years Old. The song became a hit and it was likely the most popular song amongst the inmates residing in Millhaven in the early 1990s, including one prisoner who certainly knew a thing or two about breaking out of prison. Ty Khan hated Millhaven, but knew it would be nearly impossible to orchestrate an escape from the Supermax facility. Nonetheless, it didn't mean others weren't going to try. On November 21st, 1992, not long after Ty Khan had been sent back to Millhaven, a dozen inmates cut through the chain-link fence and scrambled across the rural prison grounds. But the mass escape was quickly defeated and the prison was put on lockdown. Millhaven authorities soon decided that Ty Khan must have been instrumental in the escape plan and it gave them a perfect excuse to get rid of him. So, on March 8, 1993, Ty was put on a plane and shipped off to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, where Corrections Canada maintained one of two special handling units for the most difficult and dangerous inmates in the country. The special handling unit, or SHU as it was called, was Canada's most secure prison designed to hold lifers and those who couldn't exist in a regular maximum security prison for one reason or another. One of Canada's worst serial killers, Clifford Olson, just happened to be a resident. Inmates in the shoe were monitored 24-7 by armed guards, and any movement within the unit was usually accompanied by handcuffs and leg irons. For Ty Khan, his new living arrangements were difficult to adjust to. By age 26, he'd survived in some of Canada's toughest prisons. But the shoe was a whole new reality. And now he was thousands of miles away from his family. He wouldn't get to see his mom Marion or his brother Max for visits anymore. And they were his lifeline. Ty had no choice but to settle in and do his time. If he had any hopes of getting back to Ontario and closer to the people who loved him. Life in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan for Ty actually turned out to be better than he could have hoped for, given the harsh surroundings. He enrolled in some of the supportive programs offered by the institution and developed a trusting relationship with the penitentiary psychologist, Dr. Murray Brown. For the first time, in a very long time, Ty felt that he could talk about his past and deal with some of the demons that had haunted him. He opened up about his childhood and the emotional and psychological scars he still carried with him. And in talking about his childhood, Ty was able to understand more about the damage that had been done to him in the Kahn family household. He knew being put back in foster care had put him on a one-way path of self-destruction. And he didn't want to see the same thing happen to other children. So, when he saw a program on TV 
that eerily reflected the childhood abuse he had suffered, he decided to get in touch with the producers. Maybe no one would care what a convicted felon had to say, but he felt compelled to write. The Trouble with Evan was a two-hour documentary on the effects of verbal abuse on children. The show was presented by the Fifth Estate, CBC's flagship news program, on the night of April 12, 1994. It followed a family who claimed to be at their wits' end in dealing with their son Evan, who was getting into trouble by stealing. They were ready to put him in foster care, so they agreed to let cameras into their home to film their daily interactions. While the producers were hoping to capture a family trying to work out their issues, what the cameras ultimately revealed was an extremely dysfunctional and abusive family dynamic. Ty Khan and a million other viewers watched in horror as Evan's parents continually yelled obscenities and abuse at their 11-year-old son, telling him he was no good. Over 4,000 people contacted the CBC in response to Evan's plight, and Ty Khan was one of them. Teresa Burke was an experienced journalist and producer who had joined the Fifth Estate during the production of the Evan documentary. While sifting through all of the mail and the correspondence that the show had received, Teresa was struck by one letter in particular. It was from an inmate at a federal correctional facility who said he had grown up in a family just like Evan's in which his adopted mother had abused and berated him. The writer said he could see where Evan's life was heading and he felt tremendous sorrow for the boy. I feel he is being abused, he wrote. The similarities between him and I are eerie. And sadly, I see him possibly ending up where I am. The writer's name was Tyrone Kahn, and at 27, he was doing 47 behind bars. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ty Khan's story got the immediate attention of the producers at W5. It turned out they were so impressed by the honesty of Ty's letter about his childhood, they invited him to be interviewed on television for a follow-up program. And while it is extremely rare for Corrections Canada to let cameras into any of the country's prisons, the CBC's veteran producer, Lyndon McIntyre, was allowed into the Prince Albert Special Handling Unit to interview Ty Khan on September 1, 1994. Television viewers who later tuned into the program saw a good-looking, articulate young man talking about his life behind bars. And while he acknowledged a very difficult childhood, he was reluctant to blame anyone else for the choices he had made in his life. The cons were not mentioned as per his request. For producers Teresa Burke and Lyndon McIntyre, there was something about Ty Khan that was different. He wasn't just an interview subject that could be easily forgotten once the cameras stopped rolling. He was a smart, polite young man living in one of the worst prisons in the country. But he refused to blame or complain. Almost immediately, he had earned their respect. And soon, an unlikely bond developed between the two television producers and the convicted bank robber. It would turn out to be a lasting friendship that would alter the course of all of their lives. Ty Khan continued to write to Teresa Burke and spoke of his many regrets. He realized that his hope for a better life would only happen if he walked out of prison one day instead of scaling a wall. Eventual parole could be possible if he worked hard and did his time. With Teresa's encouragement, Ty got his first computer and enrolled in a civil engineering technician certificate program through Fanshawe College. 
At 28, it seemed as though Ty was finally dealing with his past and working towards his future. Eventually, his case manager saw the efforts he was making and agreed to transfer him out of the special handling unit in Saskatchewan. So, in October of 1995, Ty was escorted to his home province of Ontario. This was a positive move. He would now be closer to his mom, Marion, and brother, Max. But it also meant he was back in Millhaven Penitentiary. For Tyrone, Millhaven had always been a difficult place. But in the two years he had been in Saskatchewan, life behind bars in the Supermax prison had gotten even worse. Volatile and destructive inmates were in a constant battle with the administration, and frequent disturbances often resulted in the entire prison being locked down for days at a time. Prisoners were constantly protesting against poor food quality, lack of outdoor recreational time, and repressive security measures. They also wanted more rehabilitation programs and better pay for the work that they did in the shops. Ty Khan had landed in a hornet's nest, and tensions continued to build. But even while the prison was experiencing tremendous unrest, Ty continued his studies and looked towards the future. He even got a job in a new furniture shop in the prison and started earning money. Ty wanted to be anywhere besides Millhaven and was hopeful, despite his previous prison escapes, that he would eventually earn a transfer to a medium security prison. The atmosphere inside Millhaven was perilous and escalating tensions eventually resulted in the murder of an inmate at the hands of other prisoners. Rioting continued for days and resulted in over $1 million in damage. Ty wrote to Teresa Burke and told her all about the happenings behind the walls at Millhaven. For months, the prison remained in virtual lockdown, which severely restricted any programs and rehabilitation. Ty lost his prison job and eventually stopped taking his correspondence courses. He told Teresa that it was just too hard to concentrate while the environment all around him was so combustible. Not knowing how long he would have to stay in Millhaven, Ty felt himself slipping into another deep depression. Any chances at parole was still years away, but he couldn't bear the thought of being stuck where he was. So he asked his case manager for a transfer. Ty knew it was a long shot, given his two prior escapes, but he really wanted to go back to Collins Bay Penitentiary. He needed to get into a more constructive and supportive prison setting, one where he could work and resume his studies. But how could he convince prison authorities that he wouldn't try to run again? It turned out he couldn't. All of Ty's transfer requests were denied. There was no way the warden at Collins Bay was going to give Ty Khan another chance. It was 1998, And once again, Ty was facing a bleak and uncertain future. His prior escapes had virtually marooned him on an inhospitable island called Millhaven, and there was no life raft on the horizon. 
Ty realized he was going to have to find another way out of his current predicament. And to no one's surprise, it would involve another escape plan. But this time, Ty wasn't going over any wall. In fact, he wasn't going anywhere. But his life would still be in peril. Ty Khan was a well-liked and respected inmate. In fact, he was somewhat of a celebrity amongst Canada's criminal elite for his daring and successful prison escapes. So naturally, he was the expert, the go-to guy, if you just happened to be planning an escape from a federal penitentiary. And in the spring of 1998, it just so happened that some of Ty's convicted colleagues were planning their own unofficial exit from Millhaven, and they wanted Ty's help. It was an offer Ty couldn't refuse, given the persuasive nature of the hardcore inmates that were requesting his help. And by telling him their plan, he was already part of it. Refuse and his life would be in danger. Ty pretended to go along with their scheme. But when he heard the details of what they were planning, he knew it was something he did not want to be part of. Two inmates were planning to swallow parts of a razor blade in order to be taken to the Kingston Hospital. Once they got to the hospital, another recently paroled prisoner would be there waiting for them with guns to overtake the guards. Then, the three inmates would shoot their way out of the hospital if necessary. A gunfight in a hospital? Ty couldn't believe what he was hearing. It was a reckless plan that could put unsuspecting bystanders at risk, doctors, nurses, or other patients. Ty had done a lot of bad things, and he knew that he had caused emotional damage to others when he held up banks. Having a gun pointed at you during a robbery was something most people would have a hard time getting over. But he had never physically harmed another person in his life, and he was not prepared to be part of something that could result in innocent people getting hurt or killed. Ty was in a no-win situation. Go along with the hospital escape plan and risk having blood on his hands. Or betray the convict's code of never ratting out a brother. If he exposed their plan, his life was over. Rats did not live long in prison. Since the age of 17, Ty Khan had lived amongst other criminals in Canada's finest federal prisons. He was regarded as a solid con, and it was the only world he knew. But now, he was faced with a difficult decision, and either way, that decision would have deadly consequences. On the next episode of Escape from Kingston Penitentiary, the life and death of Tyrone Khan. After 14 years in federal lockup, Ty Khan makes a difficult decision that will alter the course of his life. He's finally managed to get himself transferred out of Millhaven, but now he's stuck in another maximum security hellhole with little chance of redemption. He wants to go straight, 
and he wants a future, but the system keeps beating him down. If he can't get transferred into a medium security prison, he has no hopes of parole. He has vowed to stop trying to escape and prove that he can be trusted. But when old demons come calling, Tai Khan just might not be able to keep his promise. Escape from Kingston Penitentiary, The Life and Death of Tyrone Khan, is written and produced by Catherine Fogarty. Audio production is by Daniel Borgers at Borgers Music. A special thank you to Max Chamberlain. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. Visit us at storyhunterpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter to get more information and updates about new podcasts. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you enjoyed this story and others, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app, and feel free to leave us a review. We appreciate you listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.